All right, so we're going to do this sermon called What You See Is Not What You Get, and it comes from last week. I know there were some of you that were not here last week, and most of the ones who were here last week um, aren't here. But during, during our time of worship, the Lord spoke to me and gave me a prophetic word for us. And that word was that, right there. What you see is not what you get. And so I can't remember how the song service went and all the things that were, that were taking place to, to lead up to this because you know how it is when you've got stuff going on and then the Lord speaks to you. But Josh was singing some, uh, a few things and he was talking about um, expanding the tent pegs and, and that's when when the Lord gave me this word, what you see is not what you get. And it was talking about what we see right here. See this right here? All these empty seats, all the different things. And he was saying is what you see is not what you get because there's stuff coming and things are going to happen. And so there's this passage of Scripture that we're going to look at today. It's in Isaiah chapter 54. And it's one that um, I've spoken on multiple times because this is one that the Lord keeps speaking. And if God keeps speaking, things are it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And Matt, see, Vince and I are even having this conversation this morning. It's just amazing. It's just, he's like, we're on a linked together today and uh, he says uh, he was talking about yeah he says I was expecting to see see this stuff happen I wasn't even talking about this he just mentioned this on his own I was expecting to see people come here and for this place to begin to fill up and to to begin to see some of the promises that we've heard from God and and so I said, well, I got something to tell you, but I'll save it for the sermon because it takes more than just a second and then you'll hear it again anyway. So, so what, what I sensed that the Lord wanted to happen was for us to get together. I think we had, we had people on the worship team here, but we had 12 people. And so what I did is I had six come to the front and I had six go to the back and I had them stand in pairs of two, a couple in front of here, a couple here, and then two here. And I said, the Lord says that we're to expand our tent pegs. And you'll see in this, when I preach this, the rest of this here in a minute, what it says. But it says we're supposed to expand our tent pegs. And this is a promise that he's given to us. And so I said, what we're going to do is, I said, you guys who are here, I want you to go as far as you can go this way, and then I want you guys to go as far as you can. If you want to go to the corners of the room or you want to go downstairs, down the stairs and go to those front corners, however you want to do it, I want you to come here and go as far as you can. I said, there's another room behind this if you want to go in there. And then the other ones, I says, if you want to go there, you go and you do whatever you want. And so... So then everybody went outside. <laughs> everybody, they went out the front door and then boom, they went over here and these guys all went outside and, boom, and were, were, they were just going, we're expanding. And so they weren't even expanding within the building. They were expanding without. And that's just a prophetic picture, I think, of what the Lord uh, want, wanted us to do. Sometimes he has us do things. And there are going to be some things I think that we'll see as we get going on that God's going to have us do. He's going to expand some things in multiple areas. And we get the privilege to cooperate with him and see what he's going to do. It's going to be fun. Because I'm telling you, God does, God does amazing, amazing things. He does amazing things. I have no idea why I'm sharing this testimony, but somebody's going to get something out of it, I bet. Not planned whatsoever. But 
You know, what happens to Suzette and myself, especially to me because of just the gifts that God's given me and the call he's got in my life and the things that I've done, you know, we're all unique and all that kind of stuff. But there are times when I can sit down with people and just in this, in just talking to them, I can help them get set free from things that have been in their life for years. And it, it just, I just go when it happens. It's not something I can just manufacture, you know. And so we were at um, some people's homes, and I, I don't even know if you guys, it doesn't matter who the person is, because I'm going to protect them, but you probably don't even know who they are, because we have lots of people we know all over. And so we were, we were, uh, sitting around and, just talking after supper and we had supper together and we were just talking and she mentioned something that had happened to her when she was very young something that happened to her like in in pre-high school and then something that happened right after uh, or towards the end of high school or right after high school and so she was talking about Um, when she was a young lady, she was the first girl to fill out in her class, you know, as becoming a young woman. And so the boys just teased her incessantly. And there was one specific one that just drove her crazy and would tease her. And so and so instead of standing up normal, she would come in and she would walk like this because she didn't want to call attention to herself. And so she was embarrassed and ashamed of this taking place. And so she, she just walked like this. So she started telling that story. And, and then she told a story, too, of how... She was. She went on a date with a guy, and he raped her. And she was from a time frame when, if you had relations with someone, you married them. And so she thought she had to marry this guy because they'd had sex, even though she, he raped her. And so he, she married this guy for, was with him for three years before ended in a divorce and stuff and so she had a lot of pain going on and so just sitting there in about maybe 20 minutes I walked her through some things of forgiveness and releasing uh, the ones who had hurt her and the things that were taking place in her life and uh, she was able to forgive and the Lord healed the wounds that were in her heart and so then, so then I don't know. The Lord just puts stuff in your brain sometimes. So then I just said, all right, here's what we're going to do. I said, you're standing right there. I'm going to tell you, you step into womanhood. And she goes, okay. She went like this and, <clears throat> I mean, God broke all that stuff off of her from being ashamed because that's what she carried for so many years. And uh, God wants to heal every area of our life and he wants us to be resources to bring other people to healing and to bring deliverance into their lives because that's who God is. God's the one who heals broken hearts. God's the ones who brings peace to souls. God's the one who takes what is our beat up and broken past and he brings life. See, when Jesus said, I've come to give you a life and life more abundantly, he meant what he said. He didn't come so that we could barely meek out and experience we call life. He came so that we could have life abundantly. And if you want to look at what some of those things are, they're really uh, like the fruit of the Spirit. Love, 
joy and peace, kindness, all these things he wants to work within us. He wants to bring, well, the thing that we usually have up there after the sermon is, is, is over is that this year is a year of wholeness. And what God wants to do is bring wholeness to us, body, soul, and spirit, because that's what he did. He died for every part of us. You know, it, we, we so easily divide ourselves into all these sections. It, we do have a body, obviously, and that's how we react, you know, interact with one another, interact with the world around us. We have a soul that is, you know, our mind or will and emotions and stuff and how we feel and experience life together. Then we have a spirit that's connected to God, you know, and so... So what happens is we separate those somehow in our thinking, not understanding that every part's so interconnected that if one part's affected, it affects the others. And so God wants to bring wholeness to us in every part of our life. And so his salvation isn't just, you know, here's, it's not a salvation just, I'm going to heaven. That that's such a small part of of what God has. It's a huge part, but it's a small part because he's come to bring peace. He's come to give us joy. You know, Jesus prayed. He says, "I want them to experience the joy, fullness of joy." Can you imagine that? Fullness of joy. That's what his prayer was with the Father, and that's not just for heaven. It's n- all the good stuffs, not just for later. The awesome stuffs for later, right? <laughs> the super good stuff, which is still awesome, is for now. It's for here. He wants us to have peace in our soul. He wants us to be joyful. It says that Jesus was more joyful than all of his companions. That's because he knew who he was and he was, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was walking in, in the life of God and even though stuff was going on all around him, joy. And it says, even for the joy set before me endured the cross because we're his joy. You're Jesus' joy. He went there for you. You're his joy. You're his joy. Boy, this is turning out way different than I thought. So I'm working on, I'm working with a church in Watford City. And uh, they want me to, you know, I've been doing cleansing stream for, I don't know, how many years now? It'd be 21 years. And... They've been reading a lot of stuff that I put on the blog and things like this, and they want me to do, come up with a seminar and retreat to do at their church. And so I've started looking at that. I've started looking into putting that together, and actually on Friday I started writing the first video because I'm going to shoot video and have workbooks and all sorts of stuff. But I started really thinking in depth. I've already got this this under control, but I started thinking more in depth of what do we need to know? What do we really, really, really need to know in order to live a life that's full, a life that has the abundance that Jesus was talking about? And so there are a few things. I think one thing, first thing we have to have is we need to have a right understanding of who God is. We must know who God is as the word of God reveals to us. Because so often what I find in people's lives is we, we, we have this vision of God and it's so limited. I know mine is. How can you even comprehend the vastness of God? But we make him a lot smaller. Some of us make him in the image of our, of our own fathers. And we think, 
we think, well, this this is, you know, I talked to somebody last night on the phone and and here's what she said. She said, you know, when I was growing up, and, and I know her dad and I know I know her well, I've known her for I don't know, 35, 40 years, whatever. And she, uh, uh, her dad was legalistic. I mean, you could, performance oriented. The kids could never do anything right. They could never measure up. They were always beaten down. And so she said, that's what I, that's how I thought God was just sitting up in heaven and I could never do anything good enough for him. I could never perform good enough. I could never do anything right. And that's her perception of God but is that our true perception? Of course not. And she learned that. God showed her and began to release her from that. But, you know, here's the whole thing. If we have a faulty view of who God is, then we're going to run from him rather than to him. If we think God's a perfectionist sitting up in, in heaven telling us that we're, we're so terrible and we're so rotten and we're so bad... We're never going to run to him. We're going to run from him. That's what Adam did. He messed up, and what did he do? Ran. I was afraid of you, and so I ran away. That's not the fear of the Lord. That's fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is to hate sin. The fear of the Lord is, is to honor him and revere him. And... When we have a correct perception of who God is, man, we're, we got it under control. You know, then we can be a servant. Then it doesn't matter. Then we can do what needs to be done. Do you remember what it talks about? In We might get to Isaiah 54 here, but do you remember what it talks about in John? And and you guys remember this in the upper room? Jesus, it says... Chapter 13 it says, Now before the feast of Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart from the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, the devil, having already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simeon, or Simon, to betray him. And it says this, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God. says he got up from supper, laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. He understood who God was. He understood who the Father was. Of course he did because... He'd been with him from eternity because Father, Son, Holy Spirit have that relationship in all eternity. But it's knowing who God is he could serve. Knowing who he was he could serve. So this first idea of knowing who God is, I'm telling you, if, if you can ever just do this, just, just go, go, if you have this, some of you guys are taking notes. Just sit down sometime and say, Lord, would you show me where I have a wrong view of you? And don't condemn yourself and feel, oh, you know, we do this stuff. We feel like God's going to attack us. No, God wants to show us who he is. That's why he sent Jesus to reveal himself to us. When we see Jesus, we see the Father. And so, Lord, is there any way that I have misrepresented you or have concepts in my mind of, of who you are and how you see things that are different from how you see them? And if he shows you them, then say thank you. And then just begin to repent from those. And if you need to, I think this would be a good idea too. Lord, show me where these thoughts came from. And what your truth is. So show me where they came from. Because they had to come from somewhere. Whether from you, from the demons, or could be from your family. Show me where they come from. And then ask the Lord to heal anything that's broken in you. In, you know, that needs to be healed. 
so that you can see him as he truly is. That's important. That's important. So the second thing I think that's really important, and this is vital, is that we need to know who we are. We need to know who we are in Christ. Because we're different. If you have accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you're a new creation. You're a new creation. You're a new creature. That word means not like renewed, like, okay, I'm I'm an old guy, now God did something a little bit on the inside. It's talking about the same thing as creation. When God said, boom, let there be light, and it was created. A new creation. You're new. You're new. And you're so totally, absolutely different from who you were before Christ. But we're not convinced of that. And even some of the doctrines that are taught in the church don't tell us who we are. It always focuses on what we were. It just drives me crazy. And you know some of my pet peeves by now if you've been around here long enough. You know one, here's here's what the Word of God says. You're a saint. You're a holy one. You are a holy one. But what do we do? I'm just a sinner. You were a sinner. Now you are a saint. You've been recreated. You have the Holy Spirit within you. You're a saint. Walk as a saint. Because you have new possibilities. You have new abilities. But if we just dwell, oh, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a sinner, then guess what? Sinners sin. Why don't you be a saint and walk in righteousness and holiness and the joy of the Lord and the life that God has for you? Because that's what He's called us to. That's what the Bible says, is that you are a saint. I like this one because I, I had this guy, I was talking to him a few months ago, and he just, he just goes, well, you know, I'm just a sinner. I said, no, you aren't. <laughs> and, of course, that started a little conversation because I knew he was a believer. And I said, you just don't understand that you're dead to sin but alive to God. You don't understand You read some of these things. When it says that sin will no longer be a master over you, this is in the Bible. You show me. You show me where it calls the believers sinners. Now, believers can sin. Sin, you know, see, we, we have this mistake too because of this idea of original sin. It's there. And the old man's there. You know what the Bible says? Your old man's dead. Reckon your old man dead. And reckon yourself as slaves to righteousness. You're no longer slaves of sin. You're slaves of righteousness. You're slaves of God. You have the freedom and the ability to walk in the ways of the Lord. You have the freedom and the ability to please Him. Well, I can't please God. I can't please God. Well, God... The Bible says you can. Even in the Old Testament. Just think, God's going, hey, look at Job. He's righteous. Job is a righteous man. Look at Job. And he's saying this to the devil who knows all this. Look, look at him. He's not saying, oh, he's a dirty, rotten scum. You know, look at him. He's one of mine. Look at how good he's doing. We can please God. But oh no, oh no, we get this mindset and it's not biblical. So this guy, I'm telling him that he's a saint and all this stuff. And then he says, well, you know, the heart's incredibly wicked and blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, it's not. (laughs) Unredeemed heart might be. But you start, you start reading some of these verses and start putting in dirty, rotten, scummy sinner and it doesn't fit. Hi, I'm a child of God. I'm a dirty, rotten, scummy, scummy sinner. Saved by grace. Yeah, we are saved by grace so that we can walk in the good works that God has prepared from before the foundation of the world. 
You know, we got to get rid of this stuff where we look at ourselves and we see ourselves as what we used to be because we're new. And so then what I did, and yeah, well, I, I, did, I did a video on this because I'm doing this series, Who You Are in Christ, and so I think it was an eighth or ninth video in this one. I said, I said, in Christ, you are a person with a new heart. So what's the new covenant? I'm going to write this on your heart. I'm going to purify your heart. I'm going to cleanse your heart. And so if we've been saved and cleansed by the blood of Jesus, how can we say, oh, I'm just a sinner and I have stuff in my life? Well, it's because we don't know who we are. And for us to rise up and say, I am a child of God. I'm dead to sin. And by the way, when we do this, the flesh, you've got to look at how it talks about the flesh. There's like four different meanings of the word flesh. And what people do is they, they assign the same meaning to every single one, and it brings so much confusion. When we're, when we're fleshly, it's talking about us trying to do things in the flesh and, and trying to do things, well, okay, First one, flesh and blood, flesh, right? We understand that one because we have it. But then there's this flesh. There's a couple ways it's used. The flesh is, kind of talks about the sinful passions and desires. And so usually when it's talking about that one, it's talking about unbelievers. And it can be talking about believers because we can have a passion, right? We can have a passion towards something that's wrong, and we can make a decision for something that's wrong. It doesn't come out of our sin nature. All right, you've got to get this. Adam and Eve, let me ask you this. When God created him, were they created dirty, rotten sinners? No. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, good. Just check it. He says it's... All creation was very good. Adam didn't sin out of his sin nature. He didn't. God gave him a choice. And he gave him freedom to determine that choice. So no sin nature, but he determined by his own will that he was going to change masters. He believed what the devil said, rejected what God said, and made a choice. And in making that choice, sin entered the world. So before you come to Christ, you're a sinner and you can't do anything but sin. And even you can be nice, but sin is sin, right? We're, we're all guilty before God, it says, and we know all that. But when we come to Christ, we're a new creation. We have a new heart. And it says that we're cleansed. So if I'm cleansed, how can I be a dirty, rotten sinner? So the other way it talks about flesh is this. And Jesus talked about it to his disciples. Remember when he was in the garden with John and uh, Peter, James? He said, pray. And he went a stone's throw away and he began to pray. He came back and he found them sleeping. What, what did he say? He says, your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. He's talking about, he's talking about in, in their constitution of who they are as, as people. Do you, know, do you know why they slept? One of the Gospels said that they slept because of sorrow. Jesus was telling them he's going to die. Jesus was telling them he's going to be betrayed. Jesus is off a stone's throw away, and he's crying out to God. He's wailing to God, so much so that his blood vessels break, and he drips blood out of his forehead. And they're so bummed out that all they can do is fall asleep. The flesh is weak. He's not saying, you dirty, rotten sinners. He's saying, your flesh is weak. Your heart's with me. But you, you just can't endure it because of the weakness 
of the flesh. And so that kind of flesh is not an evil, terrible thing. It's just what we're made out of, right? So we need to know who God is. And we need to know who we are. That really becomes important. Because when we, if we can just get those two, man, it's, it change your whole life. It'll change your whole life. Because it's based on the truth of God's Word, not on your feelings, not on your emotions, not on your thoughts. That's the whole thing that makes it so important. God, give us revelation. We need your revelation. And then what we need also, I think, if you want to do, take it another step. All right, God, show me who you are. Is there anything standing in the way of my true knowledge of you? Then show me. And then we should do this too about ourselves. Lord, here I am. Is there anything that I'm believing about myself that doesn't line up with your view of me? His view matters. <laughs> Period. He's the one who created you. He knows you. And so when he says, you're this, you are. Well, I don't feel that way. Well, then we need to investigate, Lord, show me why I feel this way. This is what you say. I don't believe it. Have you, do you ever go through the scripture and do this? You're reading and reading and reading. And then all of a sudden you, uh, you see a scripture. And you can do it one of two ways. You can go, oh, I, I wish this were true for me. I, 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 just, you know, I just don't feel it. And so, or we go, well, that's, that's not for me. <laughs> Period. Because we, we just don't feel it. We don't feel loved by God sometimes. We don't feel accepted we don't feel unashamed because we're carrying stuff that he bore. You know, when you ask for forgiveness, you're cleansed. God wipes it away. Why do you bring it up? Or why do you even allow the enemy to bring it up? Because that's what he does. Condemnation is the enemy's tool. He wants to bring discouragement, despair. He wants to bring destruction. He wants, to, he wants you to feel condemned and judged. He wants you to just look at what you used to be and, and still think and consider yourself to be that. Oh, I'm just a scum. I used to do it, man. I used to do it. That was my life when I first got saved. I'm telling you, days and days and days. I'd, I cried more th- than I've done in all my whole life during the first six months that I was a believer. Because what would happen, I'd do one little thing wrong and because I was so performance-oriented, because I thought God wanted me to be this great performer, if I did one little thing wrong, I'd cry. I'd just bawl. I'd just go in my room and just bawl. Oh, God, I'm a scum! And I'd say stuff like that. Oh, I'm so bad. I'm so wrong. Oh, God, forgive me. I'm terrible. And then I'd go and I'd go to work and I'd come back. I'm, oh, God, I'm terrible. Blah, blah. And I just, oh, what a way to live. It was so disgusting. And it was so absolutely opposite of the truth of God's word. And so one day, I'm sitting there going through my routine. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm a scum. I'm bad. I'm terrible. And God, I'm serious. I just, not an audible voice, but you know, and you know it's God. And I hear this. When you ask me to forgive you, when are you forgiven? I said, right away? Yeah. So Stop. That changed my whole life. I mean, it changed my whole life. Didn't mean I I didn't feel bad when I did something wrong, but I'd never beat myself up. And you know, it was so ingrained in me. And I I do weird things sometimes, but it works. This works for me. You do whatever you need to do to make it work. So I I would be, let's say I'm walking down the street and 
or I'm walking, I'm even in, like at work, you know, when I was in the military and stuff, when I first got after this, you know, because I was still in the military, I'd be walking, and I'd hear this thing, this condemnation thing. You did this, you know, and it would just try to come on me. And, and you know, the word repent means to turn around, to have a change of mind, to turn from sin to God. And so I'd be walking, and I, then I'd just go like this. I'd go, nope. I'd do it out loud, and I'd just walk the other way until I felt it was gone. I said, okay, then I'd, I'd go right back to what I was doing. I did about a whole bunch of about faces, but I'm not going to allow these things to come and to consume me. And this, what, what happens is we're covered with guilt. We're covered with shame. We're covered with regrets from the past. We're covered with all this stuff. And we're carrying it and we're allowing it to, to come upon the things that God has already forgiven and released and use it to beat us. And because some of us are, uh, love to think that we need to pay something for our own sin, we love to beat ourselves. You're you're bad. You're why can't you do anything anything right? And we just beat ourselves. That's not what God wants. It's not what He wants because He's freed us and He's cleansed us. And if He forgets it, why would I bring it up? Hey, Lord, you remember what I did way back here? Nope. All right, just so you know, God probably remembers what it is but when it says he forgets it means he's never going to use it because god he knows everything but you know some of these things we have to get that's that's why it says love covers a multitude of sin so do you know how that works so irene does something wrong to me and i cover it by not revealing it to someone else instead of going do you know what you know what irene did to me i uncover her Love covers a multitude of sin. It doesn't mean it just ignores it and negates it and puts it away. It means that I will not use that. I'm going to cover this up so that she's not uncovered. Huge. That's what that verse means. It doesn't mean that God, you know, just covers sin. Ooh, yeah, let's cover it up. It's ugly. And hide it. No, he deals with our sin. But when we're talking about others, love covers a multitude of sin. I used to think that doesn't sound right because then it's like it's covered. But what it means is that we're not using it. We're not using our knowledge to gossip. We're not using our knowledge to harm someone or to make ourselves look better. But we're actually walking in God's ways. So here's the third thing you can ask just for fun. Might take a while. And here it is. It comes from Psalm 139. It's David. King David says, Lord, search me. Try me. And depending on the translation, see if there's any wicked thing in my heart or see if there's any harmful thing. But it's something that causes harm. Because he knew it's the heart that really matters. And that we can have things in our heart doesn't mean we're wicked, evil, terrible, rotten. But I'm telling you, what God's doing is we've been in this world and it's like we're magnets to all this stuff. We got all these false concepts, ideas. We have thoughts that are going to cause us to be hindered from what God has for us. And God wants to show us you see, if we know who God is and we understand that he loves us, we know he cares for us and, and we're open and we're saying, God, you are just so amazing and you're good and you're great and you're, you're for me, not against me. You have done all this. How much more will you do now that I've come to you? And we understand that, understand who we are, then we can run to God with everything. It doesn't matter what he points out. It might be painful for a moment, but it's like... <sighs> He wants to free us from this stuff because there are harmful ways in us just because of living in this world. And he'll show us. Those are things like we have 
uh, like our, some of our ungodly beliefs that we have that stop us from having free freedom in relationships and freedom in ministry and freedom in all these different areas that needs to be gone. But God will expose that. And when he does, see, when I first got saved, I felt so intimidated when God would show me something wrong. I felt intimidated. I felt bad. I felt terrible. Of course, that's kind of how I was, right? I told you that already. But that's the way I felt. (laughs) And so um, God showed me that when he shows me something, he's doing it because he loves me. And if God shows you something, he's doing it because he wants you free from it not because he wants to judge you or condemn you. He wants you to experience life. He wants you to go from glory to glory. He wants you to not run or hide or be afraid that God's wonderful light is going to shine. I always call that when God puts a spotlight on something. You know how it is. (laughs) Maybe there's some, you're in a dark room and, man, you put a flashlight on something. It's illuminated. And that's what God would do. He'd go, and so I'd see something every day, like 20 times a day or something, because it was something that that he wanted to deal with, and I didn't even realize it was there. See, that's the whole thing, is we can walk around. Ever seen those pictures of, like, sharks? You know, they're going through the water, and they got these suckers on them. They just clamp on them and suck their blood and live off the shark. They, they have them all, blood suckers. They, you know, we've had them. Have you ever had one? I jumped in this water. I, we were out one place. I jumped in this water. I came out. I'm not kidding you. I had about 10 of them on each leg, and they were just, I was, you know. But what they do, if you put salt on them or something that will cause them, you know, they'll flop right off. They'll release you. So we put something on them. I don't know. You can put a match on them, too, and that helps. But they all came off. But if I just left them there, they would suck and suck and suck until they died. They would live off of me. And so God, show me if there's any blood suckers on me, man. Show me if there's any of these creepy things. Show me anything that's robbing me of life. But then we run to him and say thank you. And then we repent and we turn and we start walking in the newness of life. See, anytime we have lies, we should ask God, what's your truth? Because he has truth. And I'll say this till I'm blue in the face. I don't know how I could be blue in the face. I guess if I... I love saying sometimes. I think they're fun. But I'll say this over and over again because it's true. You cannot live in freedom while you're believing a lie. You cannot live in freedom while you're believing a lie. And I've thought about this. I'm not going to quote this exactly, but Bill Johnson says, anytime we sin, we sin not out of who we are. It's not out of who we are that we sin. It's that we choose something. That's the choice. It's a choice thing. So... All right, are you ready? This is just fast now, fast. We're not going to be here for 12 days. Isaiah 54, it says, Shout for joy, O barren one, you who have borne no child. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. This is a promise. This is a promise from God that says, oh, you barren one, you're going to have more children than the one who already has children. Now, to understand this, you've you got to understand where this is coming from, Isaiah 54. Children of Israel were sinning against God. They were taken into captivity to Babylon, and there were these people left behind. 
the cities were ruined and in destruction and all these things. This is who he's talking to. And there's all this ruin and destruction because of sin. And he says, you who are barren, you who have no children, you're going to have more children. Then he says, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out the curtains of your dwellings, spare not. That seems to be pretty exuberant here. Extravagant, spare not. He's not just saying, you know, put six extra inches on your line so you get, you know, uh, six extra inches. He's saying, go for it. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your pegs, because that's what holds up your tent. Then he says, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. Your descendants will possess nations and will resettle desolate cities. So God's making a promise in the midst of his judgment. And you say, well, why are you using this passage for new life then? Are we dirty, rotten, scummy sinners? And God's had his judgment on us. Now he's going to speak life. You know, it's interesting how the scripture is. Go to Galatians chapter 4. Because Paul uses this very same scripture. And he uses it to speak about something very wonderful. Now, you remember he's talking about, to the Galatians, he's talking about uh, those who want to have circumcision and go by the law and all that kind of stuff. But here's what he says. For it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For more numerous are the children of the desolate than of the one who has a husband. And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of the promise. He's talking about, all right, if we were to back up here, I'm just going to give you a brief overview. He's talking about there was two covenants, and he says, speaking allegorically, there was Ishmael, right, Hagar, and Sarah. So Hagar had Ishmael, Sarah had Isaac. Haggai was... uh, Ishmael was driven out because it wasn't part of the promise. God, when he promised to have a child, was speaking of Isaac. And so then he's using this this to talk about this verse here about the promise that was made to Sarah. Because who was the barren one? Sarah. It has nothing to do with Sarah because when it was spoken by Isaiah... It was, it was many, many years after Abraham, hundreds and hundreds of years. But he applied the concept and the understanding. And he says, we're talking about people of the promise, and the promise that came to Abraham and Sarah is, is what? That, they, that, that their children would be abundant as the sands and the stars of the sky and all this stuff that he was talking about. And so he's talking about believers as being one's the children that are are talked about here. So he's making that application, and I believe that the application that the Lord has for us is that is that we're gonna we're gonna see we're gonna see people come to the Lord. We're gonna see it. You know, our church over the years has been a church that's ministered mainly to believers. And that's just the way God has had it, and that's the way He really has set it up. We've ministered to believers to help strengthen them, help them get free from stuff that's been holding them back, helping them learn to walk in the ways of the Lord, and we've done that. We've done that very well, I think, over the years, and all the things that we've done and tried to accomplish together is that we as a church do well in that. But I believe that the Lord wants to bring a a change, you know, uh, I think what he wants to do is is even said with this. And when you think of this, to extend our tent pegs is is to make more room than we've had in the past. To make more room probably for people's hearts, for people coming to know Christ, for people coming to know the Lord. But I, I, I think, it, I wrote this down and I only have a couple notes because that's the way I do it a lot of times. But we, we have never been a place that has brought many people to the Lord. Not that we haven't. We've had, I suppose, you know, 
over the past 30 years, maybe 100 or so, maybe, I don't know. There might be more. But we've never really brought, you know, one place that is ex- excellent at doing this stuff is uh, Hope Church. They're just wild and crazy. But I think it's about to change because the Lord asks us to expand our tent pegs. So I think what's going to take place is an expansion of our vision, an expansion of our presence, even in the city. And Josh has been rah-rah siskumba in the city here for a while. And so we're just going to see what, what God will do. But there's going to be an expansion, and we're going to see it. And what I'm hoping that, that uh, you know, if I ever have to, this place is full on a Sunday, an overflow, take a picture of that and let it be known that the, that the word of the Lord is being fulfilled. I want to connect that with one more thing and then we're done. And that's this word. And see, you know, God... God's time schedule so weird to us. Like, why would you speak to Abraham and tell him he's going to have a kid and not tell him it's going to take 25 years? Why? Well, Abraham was the father of faith. He messed up a couple times, didn't he? Yeah, he did. But that doesn't record destiny, does it? You know, God understands he made some choices that weren't well, but his heart was always towards God. His heart was always to be obedient. And that's what our heart is. But God gave us this word, and this was, oh man, I don't even remember. If it was 20 years ago. And so the quick version of it, God gave me a word, I typed it out. I've never done that before in my whole life. I typed out the word and it says, said basically that people were going to come. They were going to come up to us and say, what do I need to do to be saved? So I have this piece of paper sitting here. I'm standing up just getting ready to do my sermon. And a guy walks in to our church, walks about right there, stands there and looks at me. And I'm trying to like start my sermon. I said, what do you want, Mike? What can I do for you? He says, what do I need to do to get saved? And he accepted the Lord right there. Boom. He walked in, what do I need to do? And then I go, I've never done, here it is. It's typed up. The Lord says people are going to come to us, us, and say, what do I need to do to get saved? That's the first And there hasn't been one since. But that doesn't mean it won't. And I think we're moving into the season where we keep the words that we believe are from God and we pray on those. Not, you know. I love words, pray and pray. We pray over them and ask for them to be fulfilled. And we believe that the Lord wants to do them. And so, Lord, we just ask that in this new season, as we last week expanded our tent pegs prophetically, that we would be able to do that very thing in our own hearts, in our own minds. And we say, Lord, let your purpose for this church be fulfilled, for every one of us to step into the fullness of what we have. Amen. So here's why I think I said what I said. I wasn't planning on saying all that I said in this sermon. I think I said that we have to have that view of God. I think we said we have to know who we are. And I think I said we have to know, ask God if there's any harmful way so that we can clear the road, so that we can be vessels who will expand into the fullness of what God has for us and confidently and boldly speak forth what God has and step up into the fullness that God has because it's not, it's not just going to be 
one or two people. It's not just going to be the Tinder show. We talk about that. I don't know if you know that because Tinders are doing a lot around here, but it's just God's called us. God, God, Josh is anointed. Josh and Lena are anointed to lead worship. Oh, my goodness. And they're anointed. And we're training our grandkids to serve the Lord somehow. And so Trinity does the stuff in the back. She loves to be the IT person. And, of course, Faith's a singer. She loves to sing. She, You know, Faith and Trinity, that's all they do all day long. They're just running around singing, 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 singing. So she's just doing what God's created her to be. And Lena, of course, Lena, <laughs> she was never going to go up there. Don't say never. God has a way of working on you. And she's, look at how she's blossomed in, just just blossomed in the things of God. And God's opened opportunities for, through CR, right? I always forget what, what to call that thing. What is it? Celebrate recovery. I, don't, I always want to call it Christian something, and then I can never get celebrate. Celebrate recovery, and they've led worship there. And, you know, they're just anointed. So we're not trying to do stuff just to be tinders. We want every one of us to step up and do what God's called us to do. Just do it. Be who you're created to be, and let's work together to see people set free for the glory of God. For the glory of God. I think we I gave you this they gave you this testimony, but I'll I keep saying I'm gonna end. Don't pastors do that so many times. We need to be slapped. Uh, I was just thinking about Josh. I was telling this person last night because they haven't seen Josh for years and I was saying, you know, they're they're just anointed. They went into the Christian school to lead worship and they were just during one of their times they led worship and the Holy Spirit just went just came in to the chapel and was so strong and there was a kid and he was bawling his head off he couldn't stop crying he was just bawling bawling and bawling and they were kind of getting concerned about him and he couldn't talk because he was bawling so hard they took him to the office so he could relax and get, you know, settle down. And they go, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he started being able to talk a little bit, and he kept going, God, it's God, God. We have an anointing, not as an individual, but as a congregation to bring healing and wholeness for us to rise up into that in the name of Jesus. So what you see, it's not what you get. When we see it, oh baby, woo, wahoo, it's going to be good. So Lord, I just speak a blessing. God, just bless us with new eyes to see who you are. Bless us with new eyes to see who we are in you, in Christ. And bless us with the ability, Lord, to run to you and not from you. To step into the fullness. I May your glory just rest upon each one as they step into the fullness. May your hand be strong to bring your salvation, your presence to others in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, God bless you. Light your hair and fire. Wahoo!